0: around the world and thank you for joining us once again on truth to you.org that's truth number 2 you.org joining me is the director of education and counseling for Jews for Judaism in Canada the website is jewsforjudaism.ca jewsforjudaism.ca welcome back to the program rabbi michael skoback Rabbi. <laughs> Rabbi, you like that a yes, lot? Uh, every the, now and then, I just like to throw in I'd like to throw in a bit of a roll of the eye. You roll. know why? <laughs> why is that? Because not everybody can do it. It's just one of those things. Oh. And I, I, whenever I do it, it's just I feel special. There was a,
1: was a pretzel commercial <laughs> when I was a kid. Ruffles have ridges. Hey, there you go. <laughs> the, the but Rabbi. not everybody
0: can do it. It's like it's like, for example, can you roll your tongue? No, that's, no, that's, the, gen- that's genetic, though. I heard. That's it. But I think I think the rolling of the r is a genetic thing as oh, well. Really? Everybody, right now, pause the program and see if you can do it rolling your r's <laughs> not everyone can and then see if you can ro- if you can roll your tongue and, and there's all sorts of things and if you can do think it if you're related to jano <laughs> there's somewhere deep back there somewhere we were somehow related there you go we're the r rollers <laughs> we are continuing to investigate the 300 alleged 365 messianic prophecies in the tanakh that jesus supposedly fulfilled in the new testament we are in part two of the book of Zechariah, and the list that does uh, invest heavily in Chapter 11, where we're going to be focusing today. Uh, on the original list, we are beginning from number 340. Uh, we are going to be using, of course, the new revised standard version supplied by Carmen and Bill of the Refiner's and on that list, uh, 275. I don't know that it differs a great deal, but this is where we are. Now, uh, it begins at Zechariah chapter 11, verse 4 to 6. Michael, it does say, "'Thus says the Lord my God, "'Feed the flock for slaughter, "'whose owners slaughter them and feel no guilt, "'those who sell them and say, "'Blessed be the Lord, for I am rich.'" And their shepherds do not pity for I will no longer pity the inhabitants of the land says the Lord But indeed I will give everyone into his neighbor's hand and into the hand of his king They shall attack the land and I will not deliver them from their hand Uh, The messianic prophecy fulfilled according to the list in the New Testament is uh, Matthew 23, verse 1 to 4. It says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works. For they say, And do not do... For they they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And the Messianic prophecy fulfilled, according to the list, at his coming, Israel, to have unfit leaders. Michael.
1: Okay, so we're going to see tonight 13 uh, alleged Messianic prophecies uh, that are taken from this 11th chapter um, Mm -hmm. in Zechariah. And the, the, there's one common problem to all of them, which is that there's nothing really in this chapter that is messianic or about the Messiah. Um, that's a pretty big problem. That's huge. <laughs> it's a pretty big problem. And, and That was a short short program. <laughs> that's the <laughs> fastest one we've ever done. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. Good night. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, someone might say, well, that's because, uh, you know, Rabbi Skobach, you're spiritually blind and you have scales covering your eyes. And you can't see that it's really about the Messiah. So let me share that um, my very, very uh, hyperactive open Bible does not give these verses a star saying that it's a messianic prophecy. Um, I don't have any stars. Yeah, no stars there. And my Holman Christian Standard Bible study Bible does not – see this passage in Isaiah in Zechariah 11 as messianic. Um, my New King James Version Study Bible doesn't see this as a messianic passage. My English Standard Version Study Bible doesn't see this as a messianic passage. My New Living Translation Study Bible. I mean, there are numerous, numerous Christians who supposedly don't have scales covering their eyes that just mm. readily admit that this passage in Zechariah is not uh about the Messiah, the Messiah is not mentioned. Actually, many commentaries will say this is not even about the future. It, it's describing either things in the distant past or in the time of Zechariah. So this this is really um, riddled with problems for the list maker. And uh, we'll try to go through it tonight, but uh, uh, it's going to get a bit monotonous because really we're dealing with one series of about 13 Uh, passages that all have this common uh, failure, which is that there's nothing in the passage that is really about the Messiah, it's not a messianic prophecy. Now, to get more, uh, sort of drill deeper into this passage here, uh, it's not really even clear the passage is referring to unfit leaders. Um, it's it 's actually a difficult passage to translate, and you 'll find many different translations mm, uh, that. Yeah. but it 's not entirely clear that it 's speaking about unfit leaders and just to to mention something you know if it were let 's say Zachariah was telling you you know let 's say from the listmaker 's perspective what 's going on is that the Tanakh gave you all these clues to be able to identify the Messiah, so one of the clues is you know what. When the Messiah comes, Israel's going to have unfit leaders. The reason that's such a useless clue is that at any particular time in Jewish history, we probably had some useless leaders and unfit leaders. Mm. so it's it's not a helpful sign, meaning that if it, you know, is the kind of thing that's ubiquitous and at any particular generation, I'm sure that today, we have some rabbis that are not really fit rabbis, and I 'm mm. sure that th- that was the case a hundred years ago and five hundred years ago and a thousand years ago. so it, it would be a sort of a meaningless, useless kind of sign for Zacharah to even give, but just reading the text here it 's not entirely clear that the passage in Zacharah even is referring to unfit leaders what 's clear in the passage is that the people uh, the people of Israel are destined for punishment. Again, it's either describing uh, past punishments that we received or it's referring to future punishments. But that's clearly going on in this passage, that the people are just destined for punishment. And again, perhaps the leaders are unfit, but the text doesn't clearly say that. Now, the proof text that's brought from Matthew 23 is interesting because, number one, it's not so simple for Matthew 23 that the leaders at the time of Jesus were unfit, meaning – Jesus criticizes the Pharisees and the scribes as being uh, you know hypocritical and not mm. not not following their own teachings etc but that doesn't prove that they're unfit meaning it's his opinion mm. but again you know for, for a person a member of the jury you know unless you were already predisposed to believing everything Jesus said and everything the New Testament said again it's not proof that uh, the 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 rabbinic leadership at the time of Jesus were unfit or uh you know people that were unworthy because all you have really is the opinion of Jesus here and what 's interesting is that in in matthew twenty three Jesus you know if he really is telling us how unfit these people are it 's strange that he begins the chapter by saying that you know they have the authority given by Moses, they sit in the seat of Moses and there and Jesus says, therefore everything. They teach you. You have to do and you have to observe. I mean, Jesus is not telling anyone in this chapter that they should not follow the teachings of the scribes and Pharisees. He just mm-hmm. says that because they don't practice what they preach, he says you shouldn't, do, you shouldn't do what they do. Meaning that what they're doing is not really appropriate, Jesus says. But he's not questioning what they're teaching and the accuracy and authority of what they're teaching. So it's not a great uh, passage for the list maker to you know, uh, bring in here to show how unfit these leaders are when Jesus Himself gives them the stamp of authority.
0: The interesting thing I find about this uh, this connection is that it's an immediate fulfillment. The list maker is saying here, in, in this time in history, when Jesus said this, uh, it, this is an immediate fulfillment that uh, the leaders of Israel, according to Jesus, at least in His opinion, were not fit to be leaders. Uh, that's not. The case in the next one, I think. I think we're going to find that uh, this is a, a potential future fulfillment. Shall, shall I read it? Let's go for it. Well, it bounces from uh, Zechariah 11, bounces off Zechariah 11, 4 to 6 again, and this time connects it with, with Luke 19, 41 to 44 that says, And again, Jesus is saying, uh, and now as he drew near and he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you especially, in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come, days will come, uh, come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. And according to the list, that messianic prophecy is rejection causes God to remove his protection. But this is, I uh, a, a, a suppose, a prophecy of Jesus. This is something that is going to happen and something that um, had not happened uh, when when he speculated so.
1: Well, I guess the, the list maker is saying that the part that happened at the time of Jesus was the rejection by the leadership, the rejection by the Jewish people. Um, although that's not really totally clear because we see in the Christian Bible that he was widely accepted by many people. Um, mm-hmm. you know, It's not clear that the majority of people even rejected him. Um, but it's true. that the, the, I guess the, the, the implication they're saying here is that because they rejected him while he was alive, we see shortly afterwards that the temple is destroyed and Jerusalem is destroyed and many people are killed. So that's you know how they're reading this you know mm-hmm. that they they look at that you know event from the first century of Jesus they claim being rejected and that led to God removing his protection and therefore the temple is destroyed again what we saw just a moment ago was that this passage in Zechariah is not about the messiah and it's certainly not about the rejection of the messiah and um again it doesn't really spell out when you read those two verses well four mm-hmm. five and six those three verses four five and six it doesn't really spell out in those verses exactly why god is removing his protection from the people meaning that the list maker seems to be saying that what you see from uh... the eleventh chapter verses four through six is that it's specifically the rejection of the messiah that causes God to remove His protection. What we do see in Zechariah is that God is going to remove His protection, but Zechariah four through six here does not actually spell out exactly why God is going to remove His protection or God has removed His protection from the people. Uh, as we'll see in a few moments, it will become clear when we get to verse eight. But here, verses 4 through 6 do not mention anything about a Messiah or the rejection of the Messiah. That is all speculative and it's really sort of uh, forced into this passage by the list maker. Um, by the way, I just should point out that, again, it's not really clear that the passage in Zechariah uh, is really speaking at all about the future. Uh, meaning many commentaries say that what Zechariah is really describing here is uh, our events that took place during the first temple times. But mm-hmm. again, it's, it's 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 you know I I think I said during the first uh, episode that we did on the ground rules that mm. for a, a passage really to be a meaningful messianic prophecy it has to be clear meaning that it would have to be the kind of prophecy that anyone reading it would say yes that's clearly speaking about the messiah it's clearly a prophecy the one thing that's clear about this passage in Zechariah is it's not clear meaning that if you have so many people disagreeing about what it's referring to whether it's a future prophecy or a past description of what happened uh it certainly Becomes pretty useless as a messianic prophecy about Mm. what's going to happen in the future. The
0: next one is uh, again, it bounces from off Zechariah chapter 11, verses 4 to 6. It connects it with John chapter 19, verses 13 and 15. Through to 15, it says, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, uh, Gevata. Now, it was the preparation day of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king! But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Now the messianic fulfillment, uh, according to the list, rejected in favor of another king. They get that from this passage as well in Zechariah. What do you make of it? Well, what, what you see here is
1: that they've been, uh, you know, milking this one uh, piece in Zechariah. yeah, for, for multiple entries. All that it's worth. Yeah, I mean, we've gotten already three fulfillment uh, passages out of this. Um, again, the, the verses four through six here don't really speak about the rejection of anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly not rejecting uh, the Messiah for another king, um, when we get to verse eight we're going to see that the real mm-hmm. the cause of god's uh anger here and the cause of why he punishes the people is it very clearly says that the people rejected God himself it doesn't speak about the rejection of the Messiah. it says that the the real issue here in this whole chapter of Zechariah is that the people came to reject God. And uh, John 19 makes it really clear how the list maker went about operating and how the list maker uh, really went through this, constructing this list, because it's clear that they began with John 19, uh, and they looked for some hook in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, to sort of connect it with. So they, the list maker saw that the peoples allegedly said... We have no king but Caesar. So, where do you find some kind of a you know a, a thing pointing to that in the Tanakh? So they say, oh, you see here that uh, you know if you read things into this verse, that the, the, these people have rejected uh, you know the Messiah and they're accepting Caesar instead. Again, it, it sort of violates the integrity of the passage in Zechariah because mm. there's nothing in Zechariah about a Messiah about about rejection at all. But it's clear that, you know, it's impossible to believe when you read the prophet Zechariah that he is really speaking about this scene Mm. where the Jewish
0: people are going to
1: reject the Messiah and give their loyalty instead to
0: Pontius Pilate. No, it only works if you begin with the New Testament and work backwards as we've seen so often in this list. Now, before we get to verse eight, uh, we have to do verse seven, Zechariah chapter eleven, verse seven. So I fed the flock for slaughter in preparation, the poor of the, uh, in particular, the poor of the flock. I took for myself two staffs. Now, in the New King James, Michael, I've got it says uh, the one I called beauty, and the other I called bonds, and I fed the flock. And I think this is a good example of um, multiple translations. Uh, that you were talking about earlier. And when I did look out, uh, when I looked at various other translations, uh, it seems more likely that it, and maybe you can comment on this, the one I called favor or the one I called grace and the other one I called unity. What do you have in your translation there? Or what, what, how do you read it in the most,
1: Hebrew? Most, most, uh, you know, uh, Jewish commentaries or Jewish translations. Really use these two as contrasting terms. So, noam in Hebrew means pleasantness mm. or um, peacefulness, or you know, usually pleasantness. And so, uh, uh i don't have the Hebrew text in front of me. I'm looking at a transliteration, mm. um, but that would be a contrasting term, and it really would mean not the opposite of peacefulness, which would really in Hebrew the term means destroyers or those who oh, destroy. Wow. Um, so, really, okay. you know, God is speaking here about two possibilities. And then really, that's one of the, the, the sub themes of this chapter is that God is essentially laying out for the Jewish people you've got really two paths open to you. You know, the path of following me I and obeying me, in which case your life's going to be okay. Or rejecting me and rejecting, you know, following me and obeying me, in which case it's not going to happen to be pleasant
0: at all. And mm. it's, really, it's in your hands. Well, the, the uh, list connects this verse with Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36. It says, uh, When Jesus went, went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Now, the uh, the Messianic prophecy fulfilled, according to the list, is ministry to the, and inverted commas, poor, the believing remnant.
1: So, again, you know, just, it's like a broken record here, but this is, <laughs> it's not a prophecy, it's not a passage here in Zechariah. About the Messiah. It's not a messianic prophecy. It's not telling us anything about the person of the Messiah. Um, and again, I showed that there were many Christians that agree with me on that. Um, also, the, the poor here may not be the best translation. Meek might be a better translation. And um, it's again speaking about God Himself, the passage, that God will be tending and leading those who put their faith in him, and it's got nothing to do here, Zechariah has literally nothing to do with Jesus' ministry to the distressed peoples in the villages that he traveled to. What is interesting to me uh, is that Matthew 9 here doesn't really say that these people that Jesus ministered to were believers. I mean, it speaks about, the list maker speaks about him ministering to the believing remnant, but all it really speaks about in Matthew is that he went around healing people, and it doesn 't really tell you there 's no really clear indication that these were real believers, so to speak, Certainly, when we talk about a believing remnant they 're not just superficial believers they 're real believers and One of the things this reminded me of was that modern day uh, missions that travel all around the world or convert large numbers of people you know they have a vested interest in showing their success rates and how many people they converted. Mm. And so often, what happens is they have these superficial conversions. You know, people attend a large stadium, you know, revival meeting or a rally or some kind of a concert, mm. and you know, at the end, they'll ask people to raise their hands if they want to receive the oh, Lord yeah. into their lives, and everybody's hand goes up. I mean, part of that is sort of the bandwagon approach. That you know, if okay. if you're in a stadium with thirty thousand people and you know, ten thousand put their hands up, you know, you're going to put your hand up. Um, but these are usually people that are not stable believers. Um, you know, I, I, I actually saw this once in a very interesting report that there was a Jewish uh, missionary organization that used to travel to the former Soviet Union when the when the walls came down and they had freedom mm-hmm. to go there. And they would have these huge, massive rallies at these stadiums. And they were reporting that they had, you know, 120 60,000, 90,000, you know, professions of faith. That's how they were reporting. Now these are people that would come in and and once every six months or whatever, once a year they would run a big concert or a big stadium rally. But there were other groups that were actually there in the, those cities that were working year round. And you know when you read their reports, they would say that they you know they maybe were able to convert a thousand people. You know so why is it that you know the the first group was claiming you know sixty ninety hundred thousand converts, and they were only there one or two days a year, and the people that were there on the ground all the time you know were only saying they converted a few hundred or a thousand people. The difference is very simple the the people at the stadium rallies were counting as full converts anyone that would raise their hand they could have been saying, you know if you want to receive a free Bible, raise your hand." Or Mm -hmm. or what have you, but they're not necessarily real believers. And the good chance is that these are people that, you know, uh, we're not going to become necessarily full believers or real believers. Mm -hmm. Whereas the people Mm -hmm. that were on the ground were only counting as converts those people that they discipled and really became what they considered to be true believers. So Mm -hmm. Matthew nine here doesn't really tell us anything about whether these people that he was going around and healing uh, became ultimately true believers. Uh, That's just an editorial comment
0: from me. The next one is uh, Zechariah chapter 11, verse 8. Now, uh, this is the verse. It says, I dismissed the three shepherds in one month. My soul loathed them, and their soul also abhorred me. Uh, the list matches this verse with Matthew chapter 28, verse 33, which says, Michael, that's right. It's not there. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Was that There's no such verse. What are we going to tr- do? Was that a trick question? <laughs> <laughs> it's not there. I don't know, Bill. What were you thinking? I mean, are you- uh, anyway. Anyway. So uh, there is no verse. We'd, I don't know what's but th- apparently this imaginary verse is con- uh, the, the messianic prophecy fulfilled to this imaginary verse, according to the list, is unbelief of Israel's leaders forces Messiah to reject them. Okay, so again, this is more of the same that we have. We, have we seen
1: this passage in Zechariah is not speaking about the rejection of the Messiah but the people rejecting God, and that brings God's punishment upon them. And uh, so what what Zechariah is describing is God's rejection, really, and not the Messiah rejecting the people, meaning it's Mm. it's God rejecting the people, not the Messiah rejecting the people. And this very obtuse proof text only really works if you begin with the outlandish kind of assumption that Jesus is God. You know, once you sort of make that... Uh, equivalence, you know, that, well, of course it's talking about Jesus because it's referring to God and Jesus is God, so then it's got to be talking about Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, I I remember that from math class when I was in seventh or eighth grade. If (laughs) A is B and B is C, then A is C. Um, But in that case, you know, every single thing that's said in the Tanakh about God is also about Jesus, or axiomatically. Mm -hmm. Um, so he, what happens is if, if that's the case, if, the only, if, the, if it's, all this only works if you make the a priori assumption that Jesus is God, uh, so the list maker would only be preaching to the choir and mm-hmm. any member of the jury would just roll their eyes. I mean that's mm-hmm. how much this really functions as a proof text. To yeah. someone who's sitting on the jury um, well,
0: We've got another one in uh, Zechariah chapter 11 verse 8 We can do something with this because this uh, Corresponding verse in the New Testament actually does exist <laughs> um, I'm going to read it again I dismissed the three shepherds in one month my, my soul loathed them and their soul Also aboard me Connected with Matthew chapter 27 verse 20 but the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for barabbas and destroy Jesus the uh, messianic prophecy fulfilled according to the list is the word despised well you know we've discussed this in the past you know could you really
1: use this term about Jesus um when he, in the new testament you know, he's portrayed as a superstar, and mm. it's really hard to to say that he he was certainly
0: someone that was despised. We, we discussed it in the last uh, in the last program, yeah. and, unless because he he did the the circus trick coming in through the gates on the on the donkey and the colts, and everyone was thrilled with that. I thought it was wonderful and uh, yelled out "Hosanna" in the highest and so on and so forth. And only a few days later, here he is. Uh, we're supposed to believe, uh, totally rejected. Yeah, and.
1: You know, uh, the, the main problem here is that um, you know this chapter again is not about the Messiah being rejected, but about God Himself being rejected. Now, the verse refers to God removing three shepherds from the nation in one month. Yeah, what's um, it got to do with this? Well, so it's first of all, it's 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 impossible to find anything in the New Testament that corresponds to anything like this in the time of Jesus. So it's sort of a further proof that whatever is going on in Zechariah. Has absolutely nothing to do with the story of Jesus because, no. you know, it's an example of the list maker sort of cherry picking those phrases that they can apply to Jesus, but they ignore the entire context here of what's going on. Now, there have been dozens of suggestions as to really what this refers to. Um, some Jewish commentaries suggest that it might be referring to King Yehoram of the northern kingdom and Ahaziah of Judah, the southern kingdom, and his potential successor who were all murdered by Yehu at the same time. That's in Second Kings chapters 9 and 10. Or some people say that it might refer to the three sons of Josiah, who was the king of Judah. So that would be Yehoahaz, Yeho- Yeho- Yehoiakim, and Yahu, which would be in Second Kings 23 and 25. Some people say it might refer to the last three prophets, who basically when they... Uh, left the scene. Prophecy ended. So that would be Haggai, Zechariah, and
0: Malachi. But it's not really clear who these three. It's not clear. I've got another one as well in my uh, Jewish study Bible that uh, says amendation yields a third of the flock. Does that ring a bell at all? I didn't see that particular commentary, but uh,
1: hmm. you know, another it, one as well. Anyhow, it, it, it doesn't seem to, to flow with the translation, though. Um, hmm. It seems to be speaking about three personages, three personalities. Um, but it's not really clear, like, what that might be referring to in the gospel accounts.
0: Um, Particularly in this verse. I mean, uh, I cannot see a possible connection. Uh, and usually we're scraping the bottom of the bar- barrel for a connection, whether it be a, a similar word or a similar phrase or a similar theme. But I don't even see that no, um, between it was, these it was verses. ignored, basically. The, the, the list maker and anyone that the wants makers. To get- I think the list maker is getting lazy at the end of the list. <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe that's what's happening, they're over it You know like some movies, you watch some movies And it seems to be going pretty, re- you know, they're doing pretty well But then by the time they get to the ending It just sort of falls apart and yeah. it's kind of like saying You know, we've been working on this for months now And we're over <laughs> it And we're glad you enjoyed it so far But we couldn't be bothered tying it together In a way that really made sense And we just want to go home <laughs> you know I mean? uh, Okay, Zechariah <laughs> chapter 11 verse 9 Then I said, I will not feed you Let what is dying die, and what is perishing perish. Let those that are left eat each other's flesh. Oh, my word. And uh, the corresponding verse uh, in the New Testament, Matthew 23, verse 38 and 39. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All right, and the the messianic... Prophecy fulfilled, stops ministering to those who reject him. Oh, please. You don't know, sound very impressed. This is getting, no, it's just getting silly, yeah, you know, it's, isn't it? It's like beating a dead horse at this point. Oh.
1: I, I like that expression. Um, it, it is. Yeah. It's, it's beating a dead horse. And, uh, you know, we've already seen that this passage is just not about the Messiah or the rejection of the Messiah. It's basically about God punishing those who reject him. And
0: end of story, really. Yeah, let's move on. Good heavens. All right, Zechariah chapter 11, verse 10. And I took my staff, beauty, and I cut it in two, that I might break the covenant which I had made with all the peoples. This is connected with Luke chapter 19, verse 41 to 44. Uh, And now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known... We've read this already when Jesus says, you know... um, Oh, look, I'll read it. If you had known, even you especially, in this your day the things that make for your peace but now they're hidden from your eyes for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment uh, an, an embankment around you surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you and uh, to the ground they did not uh, they will not leave uh, in you one stone upon another because you did not know that some of your visitation the um, uh, messianic prophecy fulfilled according to the list is rejection causes god to remove protection didn't we do this yes i'm going to basically
1: say that uh, we've been we did this we've been there did that got the t-shirt let's move on
0: got the t-shirt <laughs> but but uh, now, now, can we just return? I mean, I, can, just let's let's um, make a little bit of sense of this for a second. Forget the New Testament and the list. Uh, Zechariah eleven verse ten. Uh, what are some interpretations there? What, what's what's being said here, Michael?
1: Well, it's basically it's it's in line with the entire thrust of this chapter, which is God is essentially laying out for the people again through the prophet Zechariah that you know their fate is in their hands and that. There are always these choices of either going in the right direction and, you know, being supported by God and having a life that's pleasant and beautiful or rejecting God and having a life of misery. And, you know, there's nothing more mysterious really than, than that that's going on in this chapter.
0: Uh, is there is there some sort of connection at all? Because we see two sticks um, and, and then they're being cut in two. In Ezekiel, we see two sticks and they become one. Yeah, so
1: there there are some commentaries that, again, I I mentioned that they really look at this really as something that happened in the past. Some Mm -hmm. of the commentaries take that reference, the two sticks, as the two kingdoms that that split off from each Mm -hmm. other. And Ezekiel speaks about them coming back together as one. Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, when you go through the commentaries who sort of micro-dissect this passage, they try to connect it with different events in in jewish history either past present or future um, and it's hard to really know who's correct that's why i said i think the, the 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 clearest thing about this chapter is that all the exact references are not that clear but mm. the, the general theme is clear the general theme is that you know the pe- people are being told in no uncertain terms that you know following god will be good for you and not following yeah,
0: god okay. is just going to be miserable it's going to be miserable zechariah chapter eleven verse eleven Uh, So it was broken on that day, thus the poor of the flock who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. Uh, That is connected with John chapter 14, verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on you do know him and have seen him. I have no idea why those two are connected. Uh, The Messianic prophecy fulfilled, according to the list, is the Messiah would be seen as having authority from God. But, of course, in 11, verse 11, there's nothing about the Messiah. Michael, help me out. You know, I remember uh, in my previous incarnation
1: um, seeing a movie called Annie Hall. Uh, where some loudmouth... a
0: previous incarnation. In
1: a previous life. I don't... I don't do that. I've <laughs> disassociated myself from Woody Allen after he married his daughter. But <laughs> uh, I used to... I, I loved Annie Hall, and I remember there's a, a scene where he's at a movie theater with uh, Diane Keaton, and uh-huh. there's some loudmouth online who is pontificating about Marsha McLuhan. And uh, Woody Allen is just livid, and he says to himself he wished that Marshall McLuhan was there to shut this guy up, and that's what happens. He sort of appears right. from behind a plant, and so I, I just wish that we could get Zachariah in here yes, to state the obvious. That this passage, that be great? <laughs> this passage is not about the Messiah. It <laughs> never mentions the Messiah. There's, a, there's nothing in here that mentions the Messiah. It's not about the no. Messiah. Numerous Christian commentaries agree that it's not about the Messiah. So, like, let's just get over this and, you know, spare everyone the uh, the monotony because it's just it's, it, it, it's it, painful. Yeah. It's,
0: and and honestly, this is it's embarrassing and it's painful. I think this is one of the worst. <laughs> Uh, Compilations on the list so far Anyhow we have to continue Because it's on the list Zechariah chapter 11 verse 12 to 13 Then I said to them If it is not agreeable to you Give me my wages And if not refrain So they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver And the Lord said to me Throw it to the potter That princely price they set on me So I took the 30 pieces of silver And threw them into the house of the Lord For the potter now, uh, this is connected <laughs> with Matthew 26, verse 14 to 15. Then one of the 12, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and uh, and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you, being Jesus, if I deliver Jesus to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. The messianic prophecy fulfilled, according to the list, is betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. But But... <laughs> What is, uh, Michael, what's, what's going on in Zechariah 11, 12 to 13? Well, what's fascinating really here is that all of a sudden, my open Bible woke
1: up and oh, really? gives these verses stars, meaning that verses 12 and 13 uh, all of a sudden uh, become messianic prophecies. And uh, what it proves to me, and it's, this is so significant, is that he, the open Bible, whoever you know, gave these stars out, sort of is proving for all of us that Mm. these verses here are being taken out of context because the open bible itself didn't say that anything previously in this passage was messianic prophecy or about the messiah Mm. so clearly Mm. in this chapter even according to the open bible was not about the messiah all of a sudden verses twelve to thirteen become messianic prophecies now part of the reason is that this is the, 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 a passage that the New Testament itself quotes, so you can't really ignore yeah, that. Oh, you
0: can't, yeah, Yeah, that's right, it can't yeah, be ignored.
1: It's sort, of, sort of forced into saying that it's a messianic prophecy,
0: but the truth... Mind you, mind you they, they did, uh, the list maker ignores the one in uh, Hosea chapter 11. We saw that only a few programs ago because uh, that one's mentioned in the book of Matthew, uh, I do believe, but here they've chosen to acknowledge it. Uh, the, the weird thing about it, though, is... Who is the I? Uh, then I said to them, "If it is, it, who is the I in Zechariah eleven verse twelve to thirteen? I mean, uh, in Matthew, obviously the I is uh, um, is Judas Iscariot, but who is the I in Zechariah? So, according to most uh, people that read this, at least from a Jewish
1: perspective, it's God that's speaking um and what's what 's important to just understand is that the the listmaker is talking about you know the Messiah being betrayed, um, but there 's nothing in this passage. if you read the passage carefully um, here verses twelve to thirteen, nothing in this passage about anyone being betrayed, certainly not the Messiah being betrayed. So what normally is understood here is that God in this passage is speaking of himself as the shepherd of the people. And he's saying to the people, look, if you want me to continue being your shepherd, you know, if you're going to want me to, 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 to function as your shepherd, you're going to have to pay my fee. What does that mean? <laughs> you're going to send a money order to God. Uh, you know, he doesn't need our money. So it's understood to be figuratively as referring to if you want to have God protecting you and you want God uh, to be our shepherd, we've got to keep his commandments we got to repent of our sins. We have to turn to doing good. That's God's fee, so to speak. Um, and if they don't, if the people don't, you know, pay this fee, he's going to stop protecting them. That's the the general thrust of the passage. And uh, you know, what what's impossible is to imagine what the list maker is really claiming here, meaning that it's impossible to imagine. That when Zechariah wrote this these verses, he was really thinking about uh, Judas Iscariot speaking to the chief priests. Um, I mean, it's 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 impossible to imagine. And 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 I I wonder do the list makers really think that this passage in Zechariah is actually speaking about this interaction between Judas Iscariot and the chief priests? Uh, I mean, seriously, do they really think that's what is happening here in the passage in Zechariah? So it's, again, a a sort of blatant example of taking something from the New Testament and literally forcing it, shoehorning it back into the prophet Zechariah, but there's just nothing, uh, there's no foundation,
0: there's no basis for this um, at all. Um, So I'm I'm looking at, uh, to try and figure it out, I mean, it's a bit odd. I'm looking at the study notes in my Christian translation, the New King James Study Bible, Nelson Study Bible, and it says, of uh, Verse uh, 12, Zechariah is taking the role of a messianic shepherd. Well, of course, there's nothing, anyway. A messianic shepherd requesting his wages for service rendered. His wage was calculated as 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. See Exodus twenty-one thirty-two, And uh, this was the price paid to Judas for betraying Jesus. Well, yeah, okay, so maybe it was, but what's that, what, how how does that then bring the two verses together? The notes on verse 13 says, uh, the command, throw it to the potter, is further illustrated by Zechariah's actions. He, He threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter, the potters may have been connected with the temple because of the continual need for sacred vessels, and they've referenced Leviticus six twenty-eight. Does that that's that's all they've got to offer on that? Does that make any sense to you? Well, there's nothing really okay. in, in Zechariah about a potter.
1: Um, you know, what Zechariah speaks about is throwing um, you know this this uh, sum of money mm-hmm. uh, to the treasurer, um, you know, uh, in the temple. Um, so there's nothing here about a potter. Oh. Uh, Okay,
0: because I've got I've got Potter. You've got Treasurer. Okay, so now let me just have another look at a throw it. Yeah, okay. So Hashem said to me, "Throw it to the treasurer of the uh, precious stronghold." It has treasurer instead of Potter. How odd. Yeah. Why do we have Why do we have Potter? Well, in Christian translation, because that's what the New Testament says. Apparently, <laughs> How very odd. Is there a similarity in the way it's spelt in Hebrew or I something? Is there? I don't think so. I don't know where they get this from. But very uh, strange. Now I yeah. do have two. I have two hollows. Stars Next to uh, these references uh, and in the foreword of my study Bible it says uh, in regards to prophetic stars, many cross references include stars that are designated messianic prophecies. An open star, which is what I've got, refers to a prediction while a solid star points out a fulfillment of a prophecy related to the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. So, you know, whatever that means, uh, the open stars, they refer to these two verses as predictions. Yeah, and my open Bible does the same thing. That, 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 okay. You
1: know, all of a sudden, you know, it wakes up and it, it says that these two verses here are
0: messianic, um, where it didn't say that about the previous verses in the chapter. And yet there's nothing in it. Let's move on. Uh, Zechariah chapter 11, verse 13. And the Lord said to me, well, we've just done this one. We're milking it again. Hang on, hang on, wait a minute. What's going on here? Have they have they listed it twice? No no we we just uh the the first
1: number two hundred eighty four was Twelve and thirteen in tandem, and now we're sort of zeroing in on
0: on verse thirteen and two, for two eighty five. Yeah, but we've done. But we. But okay, hang on. So two eighty four is Zechariah eleven, twelve, and thirteen, and the reference was Matthew twenty six, fourteen, and fifteen. Right, betrayed for thirty pieces of silver. Betrayed. Now the next one is Zechariah eleven, thirteen, and again we have Matthew twenty six, fourteen, and fifteen. We also have. <laughs> We also have John chapter 1 verse 11, he came to his own and to his own, uh, he he came to his own and his own did not receive him and the messianic fulfillment uh, according to the list is that he was rejected. A lot of rejection going on here tonight. Uh, yeah.
1: So the truth is that this passage, if you read the words of Zechariah, um, it's not speaking about anyone being betrayed or rejected. Um, Other than the Almighty, and Mm. to me, the list maker has been just out of control tonight. I mean, I literally wanted to bang my head into the wall (laughs) through this list
0: because it's so. Infuriates. This is honestly, this is the worst set of, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, they've I, all been pretty. I had it, to take some it? Pepto-Bismol today, Gone. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> um, what, what Long-time I- listeners to this, uh, to this program know that the list has certainly been wanting. I mean, we've, we've come across nothing so far, the list has turned up. But it's been kind of interesting in any case because there's been, uh, you know, at least, at, at the very least, as I as I often mention, there's some sort of a connection But this is just, what is this? I don't even know what this is. This is nothing. Well, it's it's repeating
1: the same thing over and over again, which is that, you know, God is rejected by the people, and God punishes them, takes away his protection, and that becomes expanded into literally 13 different verses here tonight, saying basically the same thing. It's just regurgitating the same concept over and over and over again. That's why it's a little bit monotonous. Um, What's going on here in the verse though is that God is saying to zahariah here hmm. take these thirty pieces of silver and to throw them into the treasury of the temple almost all the commentaries understand this figuratively um, they say really read this symbolically is not actually God having him take thirty and even if he did take thirty pieces of silver it would have really been symbolic of something and it's mm-hmm. understood in context to be referring to Basically, the the idea that there are some righteous people, and God is really sort of indicating that the righteous people should either be um, kept separate from the rest of the people, meaning these are the people Mm -hmm. that were willing to pay God's wages. These are the people that were willing to obey God and follow God and keep the Torah and be obedient. Mm -hmm. Um, So either they're being separated from other people or the The placing of the of this payments in the temple treasury is a way of saying that their merits will be documented and preserved uh and ultimately you know they'll be rewarded one day um, but again there's nothing here in in the context that that really speaks about the rejection of the messiah uh at all this is just all based upon its sort of presupposition of the mm. listmaker you can't really uh in any kind of clear way extract that idea from the words of Zechariah, um and then the next one basically is the same
0: thing the next one just flogs just beats the the, the dead dog again uh zachariah eleven thirteen. and the lord said to me throw it to the and now i've got potter uh throw it to the treasurer that uh that princely price they set on me so i took 30 pieces of silver and threw it into the house of the lord for the pot of the Um, corresponding verse, Matthew chapter 27, verse three to five, Judas, then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it, then he threw down the piece, the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. The messianic prophecy fulfilled according to the list is, uh, which one are we? Oh, here we are. 30 pieces of silver thrown into the house of the Lord. I, you know, this is important to understand that when you read Zechariah itself here,
1: he's not describing, he's not forecasting anything that's going to happen in the future, hundreds of years in the future. The passage in Zechariah is actually describing what Zechariah himself did. It's it's a narrative. It's saying that because God gave him this message, he actually took this money and he threw it into the treasury of the temple. Um, that it's, it's really describing something that actually took place in the times of Zechariah and there's no indication at all, nothing that sort of pops out that tells you that really it's talking about some thing that's going to happen similarly I, in the distant
0: future. Now, this is the way, unfortunately, this is the way we have to end it. And I apologize to the listeners. This is the worst program we've ever done. <laughs> but it's not our fault. We're just going through the list. It Again, that finishes uh, Zechariah chapter 11 uh, by bouncing off verse 13 again. And the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, uh, that, that princely price or the treasurer, uh, that princely price they set on me. So I took 30 pieces of silver and threw it into the house of the Lord for the treasurer. And it uh, connects it with John chapter 12, verse 45, which says, and he who sees me sees him who sent me. Oh, man. And the the, the messianic prophecy fulfilled. <laughs> is the Messiah would be equated to God. Oh, yes. Please. I, what can we do with this, Well, I, w- I wanted
1: to pull the remaining hairs out of my head when I saw <laughs> this one. I really did. Um, you know, th- this really sums it up for tonight. Th- 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 really here we does. have a passage in Zechariah. This is terrible. Yeah, it is pretty sad. Um, oh. th- again, it's very clear what was happening here tonight. That there were all these ideas that are clearly in the Christian Bible and this passage was the innocent victim where they all landed um you know this this poor chapter 11 in Zechariah became you know the ground zero for all these uh you know Christological passages this became the the place where they were all you know hooked up to um i don't have any idea how the list maker arrived at the conclusion that you see from this verse in Zechariah that the messiah would be god himself I've got
0: um, no idea. It's,
1: it's almost impossible. Again, I think I think it's based upon a preconceived axiom of the list maker, which begins reading Genesis with the conviction that Jesus is God, and therefore, if Jesus is but, God, but that's
0: not even reflected. I mean, how how yeah I, yeah I know we know, but how does that? I mean, reading Zechariah 11:13, <laughs> where is? I just – there's nothing in it that uh,
1: – well, I don't if know. If it's talking about God, it's got – you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, you know, the Islamic assertion that Abraham was a Muslim. I think that you – know, it's sort of – that's their perspective, that when they read the Hebrew Bible, anyone in the Hebrew Bible that was a good guy must have been a Muslim. So, you know, when this list maker reads the Hebrew, the Hebrew Bible, you know, anything that's
0: about God is, no, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And that's the end. That's sort of, you know, that's the proof. Well, if we read it that way, I mean, let's just play that game for a minute. Uh, and then Jesus said to me, throw it to the potter, that princely price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of Jesus for the potter. But but that but that doesn't make sense because I, I mean you know Judas went to the uh, he went back to the the chief priests and elders and said you know what do I do with this money and they said whatever we don't care As, you know they didn't say go and ask Jesus what to do with it yeah. <laughs> I mean, I- just don't understand, yeah I, th- I think this is that terrible we need to get our glasses checked or something
1: because we clearly are not we're not seeing how this uh, proves anything about the Messiah being equated
0: to God. <laughs> no I, I promise you uh, listeners, dear listeners, <laughs> next week is gonna be much better. Because there is a little bit of substance. There's some connections to grasp onto for the for the, for the Christians when we get to Zechariah chapter twelve, and and, uh, and even more interestingly, Zechariah, Zach, um, or maybe equally so, Zechariah chapter thirteen. We may be able to do, Are we going to be able To do both of those In one program It's, it's, a, it's a possibility Yeah I'm hoping 12, Chapter 12 and chapter 13 Possibly we'll get those done Next week Now if we do that By the way Michael If we do that uh, After that we've got I think one program to go And it's uh, Malachi We'll have to make we're, a party. We'll we have to have a party and maybe we'll do one final sum up program. But in any case, that's it. That's the worst program we've ever done. <laughs> 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 it's not our fault. It's the list maker's fault. I'm, I, I, I feel like I should write an email to Bill and complain because this is just, I don't know, of the refiners fire.org, but or maybe the listeners can do that Write into the refinersfire.org and complain, say, Bill, what is going on? You really should have gone through this with a little bit more of a microscope. Uh, I don't know. It, it needs to be it needs to go back in the refiner's fire. I agree. Okay, done. Okay, thank you. Rabbi Michael Skobak of jewsforjudaism.ca jewsforjudaism.ca my goodness. If you want some uh, worthy content, you're going to find it there, but you're not going to find it in, in his program's this list. Zechariah chapter 11 but JewsforJudaism.ca is the website thank you my friend for coming back on until next week dear listeners when I when we're going to really have a very interesting program just have a wonderful week be blessed be set apart by the truth of our father's word Shalom that was seriously the worst out of the list I
1: agree it was was painful going through it it really was it was was just terrible I I feel we should send an apology letter to Zechariah
0: yeah, which is saying. What, compl-
1: what did I deserve? To, what, how did I deserve this? And a complaint to Bill. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> it really was bad. But next week, actually, the 12 is actually not just juicy, but it's it's actually hard. It's a hard passage. Um, the language mm. is difficult. Mm. Um, so you know, it has this expression, which is not easy in Hebrew. Et asher. <laughs> Um, and then there's the word dakaru, which is not there, it's a really juicy passage, there's a lot really happening there. Mm. Um, so it, it's, it'll be night and day to this week, night and day.